I think um, I was trying to ask myself, why do I get nervous every time I get on live and I'm just simply having a conversation? And I think um, what I've come to the conclusion is it is because of the takeaway. You don't know what people are going to take away from the conversation and you never want to leave them worse off than you found them. So it makes me very anxious. That makes sense. <laughs> That definitely makes sense. I guess the important part is putting a disclaimer out there from the very beginning um, and set our intention. Yes. And we both know that we are coming with well intentions for tonight. Yes. Definitely. So we are waiting for a few more people to chime in. I needed to find the questions. Oh, girl. <laughs> I didn't even go back to them. You didn't. <laughs> no, once we spoke. I don't feel too bad then. Okay, yeah, don't. <laughs> we definitely, we'll give people a chance to ask questions if they have any. Right. Right. Did you get snow up there? Yes, it's still snow. Well, no, I think it stopped. Yeah. We, we, we received snow. It's supposed to snow tomorrow as well, I think. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So, we can get started because of course we're gonna save the live. I'm just trying to turn this music off in the background. That's my song, stream. <laughs> <laughs> um. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our second Pillow Talk of the year. <laughs> and instead of doing Pillow Talk weekly like you were doing um, prior to the pandemic, we decided to cut it down to monthly. Mm -hmm. um, and tonight I am with, let me get it right, because I practice I practiced all week. <laughs> Teshubia. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. Teshubia of the Growth Project. She's joining me this evening, and we're just going to have a conversation about our experience with mental health therapy um, and some brief discussion about coaching, which is more of Teshubia. Lord, I'm going to get it right. <laughs> Teshubia. Teshubia. No. Say it. Fix it. Teshubia. Okay. All right. I'm like, correct me if I'm butchering your name. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So how did you feel when I first presented this topic to you? So, um, of course, before we had our conversation, I was nervous um, because I think there's such a negative um, perspective when it comes to therapists. And because I seen that you had therapy in there, I was like, ah, how am I going to have this conversation but it is so amazing because I've had several conversations since then with people agreeing that in a black community, we think that therapy is not an option for us. So I was like, I'm happy we're going to have this conversation because we, um, as a people, need to realize that therapy is a great tool for us if we find the right therapist. Correct. <laughs> so, so I, um, though I initially was nervous, I realized the importance of just simply having the conversation. And so welcome for those who are chiming in. Um, if you did not see, hi, Leah. <laughs> if you didn't catch the post um, that I've been sharing in the story, tonight's topic is mental health therapy and coaching. And it's basically from a client's perspective. Um, the conversation is basically to get people to feel comfortable for one to have this discussion and hopefully make it a little more comfortable for some people because I've heard from different people um, that they've tried therapy one time and for whatever reason, they decided not to go back or therapy did not work for them. Um, and so we just wanna speak about it because there's no perfect situation, right? Um, 
And maybe if we talk about our experiences and how we decided to move forward, then that can hopefully give someone else some inspiration to resume um, with the more appropriate therapist. Right, right, right. So if you have any questions for us, um, you could drop it in a comment or there's a question mark right next to the comments where you can put it in and we can answer you from there. So just before we even get into our experience, I, I'm going to ask you just to give us a little background on your organization. <laughs> okay, so the growth project uh, came about after me being in a coaching group for women that I realized that we as women needed a safe space to open up and be honest and get the proper tools to deal with the things that we have buried that is keeping us stagnant. However, as I've shared with you previously, I also encourage that anyone that comes to me for coaching have a personal therapist because I am not a licensed therapist. I am just another human being that can help you sort through and share what has worked with me. Um, but a therapist is still, I think, an essential part of the process. So have you ever went to therapy? So I went to therapy, and this is why I was so nervous about this conversation. I went to therapy, uh, I want to say between 19 years ago, um, is when I had my first encounter with a therapist. Um, and I was diagnosed with depression by three different um, therapists. But the results I got or the reaction I got was not one that was pleasing that would have me continue to go or to even seek help their their resort was oh you just need some medication because they could not relate there was a disconnect i was dealing with my childhood traumas i was dealing with the death of my grandmother mm -hmm. and it was just like okay well you just need to take these pills and you'll be fine um however within time um many many years later i ran into another therapist that uh, made my view of therapy different. My experience was more welcoming. And then social media have um, linked me to a lot of therapists that made me say, you know, there are some of them out here. Times have changed. They understand. They're opening up of how they use their tools and the way that they connect with us. So I have um, been to a therapist. I do have one now. I'm not really happy with it, but that's okay. <laughs> Because it is it's a process, um, as we shared or as we spoke, it's not a one-size-fits-all. We cannot put the whole responsibility on the therapist of knowing everything there is when it comes to us. Yes, there is something that they should know how to move when dealing with us. But if I don't feel safe, then I'm not going to open up. So if I don't feel safe, then I need to look for someone that I feel safe with so that I can get the help that I really need. So what are some of the things that make you feel safe? I don't know a nice way to say this, um, but I prefer a black therapist. Um, I prefer someone that that looks like me. That um, be and that's my own personal preference. I believe because I think they can understand me better. But on top of looking like me, they have to have somewhat of an understanding of what I'm bringing to them. If you have if you have just book smarts, that's hard for me because a lot of people will have book smarts. And be like, okay, well, this is what the textbooks say. Okay, I need I need some emotional connection or some mental understanding that book smarts is not all there is. There's some basic application tools of experience that needs to be applied. But that is my personal preference. So again, um, we just want to welcome the new people that chimes in. Thank you for joining us for Pillow Talk tonight. Our discussion is about mental health therapy from the client's perspective. And we have Tisha Baya. I'm saying the wrong this time, did I? That's so I'm so nervous about <laughs> From the Growth Project with us this evening. And she was just basically giving her experience um, with therapy and how... Um, her perspective changed over the years. And she also gave some history regarding her organization, The Growth Project. Um, and you can follow her Instagram page as well and also check out her website through the link. Ooh, look at you. Someone said, empathy connection goes more than knowledge-based connection. Well said. Agreed. Pretty much. Yeah. So, so I know... Go ahead. I want to throw that same question back at you, though. Like, what has your experience like? Have you been in therapy? Yes, I've had <laughs> I've had five over 
since 2000, is either six or seven always, I think it was 2007. So between 2007 and 2021, um, I've had five therapists. And um, my first experience with therapy, my first therapist, for one, I want to say, I realized that I needed help. Like whatever I was dealing with at the time was beyond me. <laughs> it was beyond my control. I was struggling a lot with how I was coping with things. So I knew that I needed to see a mental mm -hmm. health professional. And so I just, I actually started therapy on my birthday. That was my birthday gift to mm -hmm. myself. Yes. And at that time, I really didn't know what to expect. I just knew that whatever I was dealing with, I needed help. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take it alone. And my family wasn't equipped in that area. So I definitely needed that support. Um, unfortunately, it was short lived because probably like three months in, she stopped taking health insurance. So that's why I stopped going. And to me, just like a relationship, can't bounce from one to another. Like I felt like I opened up to this person within three months. I felt like she was very attentive. I loved her feedback. Like she made me feel heard, right? And which is the reason why we go. Um, she was able to come back to me on the next session and, and revisit things that I may have mentioned, but strayed away from. So she was definitely attentive. Like I, I really appreciated what she offered during that time. However, because I've had <laughs> abandonment issues, I was not ready to just jump into a whole new relationship, whether, you know, professional or not, and open up all over again. Because now it was like, I have to start from scratch with saying, why are you here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what you here to see me? Yeah. You know, and those type of questions. So um, I want to say in that aspect, I think sometimes people may struggle with going to therapy because they don't know where to begin. And that's part of like intake, you know, when they ask you, why are you coming? And if you have this hard time processing what you're dealing with, you may not know how to answer that. Right. You know, so over the years, I've, I've become more self-aware. So I feel like I'm very, <laughs> I, I don't have an issue with stating whatever it is that I'm going through, why I'm here, what, you know, I'm expecting or what I want to work on. And I think that's one of the important factors as well is at least knowing what you want out of it, right? Because you got to give a therapist an idea of what to work with you on. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be working with you on what they want to work with you on if you're not in that space. Right. You may be wanting to work on relationship issues. And they automatically obviously make the connection to some type of childhood, childhood trauma. But if you're not in that space to ready to talk about the trauma, then you'll be stuck a bit. And depending on the approach of the therapist, it could be triggering. That's what I was so. gonna say. One of the things I've learned about uh, between the coaches I've had and some therapists I've dealt with is learning how to adapt. When you have a therapist or a coach that does not adapt to where you are and what you're ready to deal with, it can be damaging. Um, and I didn't think about that until I'm listening to you speak because um, I had a coach and I was going through a very traumatic time. And this was not even a year ago. And he he went off of how his course would have been and how he had set the plan for us because he realized, OK, I can't push her here because she's not ready right now. And I respect that. And I think that's why it's good to know, as you said, what you want the end results to be. But I also want to add to that, even if you don't fully know what you want the end results to be, be fully aware that you want help. Because maybe they can help you sort through and fig you can figure it out along the way. So don't let that stop you from seeking therapy. And I think that's really the overall <laughs> point of where we, you know, where we're going tonight is don't be discouraged. Right. If you know that you're in a space that you're not comfortable with, that you've been struggling with, don't let one not so good experience keep you from getting the help that you desire and that you deserve. So we really just want everyone to be comfortable with. With a one knowing that you're not the only one who's had this experience in a therapy session that or with a therapist that just didn't work. Right. However, there are numerous <laughs> therapists out there. 
you know, and I get it. It's not comfortable to speak about certain things, but I feel like the best part is these people don't know you, right? <laughs> They're not somebody that you have to go to home to at the end of the day. You may not ever see them in life outside of therapy. Um, and that's their job. They have a, a code of ethics that they're supposed to follow. So I don't feel like you should be, you should feel like you can't open up to the mental health professional. I think we and, need learn, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I think we need to learn what well, I had to learn to be uncomfortable. I had to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I like routine. I'm strict by the book. And when you throw me a wrench, I spiral out of control. Used to. I've learned that things ain't going to go the way I want. Things aren't always going to feel good. And it's not necessarily because it's bad. You know, I may feel like, oh, I ain't vibing with her. She ain't hearing me. But it's uncomfortable because it's new. So I think when people are reaching out to therapists or anyone for help, be willing to understand these are still human beings. They still have their own issues. None of us are perfect. We're all working out things. But they have the, the tools and the skills to help you where you are if you're willing. If you're willing. And I just want to piggyback off that. <laughs> like you said, therapists are human. And there are instances where some may cross the boundary. Yeah. And it's okay to acknowledge that and to confront it in a healthy way. And to let, you know, maybe that's something that can be resolved with that therapist if you speak about it. If not, then you find someone else who may be more professional or you know stay within what i want to say the a space that you're comfortable with at that moment i think right now is the best time um it's twofold because i feel like some people are on a bandwagon but i think at the same time this is the best time because mental health is at the rising like we're talking about it due to the pandemic many organizations are opening up there's a lot of virtual things you know when i speak to my clients i tell them have you looked at the virtual therapy because if you don't because you're not comfortable you don't want to go in the office you don't want to see this person but i feel a little bit safer behind my screen so if i can make an appointment with you and i can deal with you like this my number one thing is you must do what's best for you you must always do what's best for you. And your mental health is as important as your physical health, your spiritual health, and that job that you go to. It is just as important, if not more, than those other things. This is true. And like you said, um, doing what's best for you. Depending on your mental capacity at the time, sometimes it may be a struggle with identifying what's good for you as well. Yes. So it's pretty tricky, but that's why we go, right? Because they help us figure it out, at least the, the basics <laughs> to an extent. And, um, you know, during that, one of our discussions, like you said, even if you may not get what you intentionally went to a particular therapist for, there's usually a takeaway from it. And you, you know, you, you take that, what you learn, you apply it and you move forward. Right. So we just want to greet the people who um, just joined us. We thank you for joining us for Pillow Talk tonight. And we are having a discussion about mental health therapy from the client's perspective. So we are sharing our experience um, with therapy and also just knowing people that are around us who, for whatever reason, had a bad experience. And, you know, they are very reluctant to return. <laughs> To return and so yeah as you can see we are trying to be as safe as possible in this discussion right because the goal <laughs> is to inspire and empower and we don't yes. want to discourage we don't want people to be like see that's why right. <laughs> this is why i don't go or this is why because in the end just like a medical doctor if you get a diagnosis or something is happening you may not like what the doctor is saying or the, the um preferred treatment plan what you do you get a second opinion it's the same thing with mental health don't feel like that one therapist is just it you know because again they're coming with yes textbook um information they come in with experience sometimes you know it can be off because everybody with depression may not be able to recover from the episodes the same way right so they have to be able to be open and sometimes spiritual practices versus 
whatever the practices the therapist presents in may not mesh, you know? And, and those are the things you also take in consideration when you seek in a therapist. Yeah, I think I think the main thing people should consider when seeking any type of help is just openness. But see, again, we got to go back to you have to be in that that space in your mind that you want help by any means necessary. So if I come to you, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to someone else. Still not feeling it. I'm going to because me and you spoke like sometimes we'll stay somewhere and knowing it's not working. But we just and we do that even in regular relationships. We have to get to a place that what is really best for me not what's comfortable for me but what is best for me whether it is this relationship whether it is this therapist whether it is going back and forth to get several different opinions from doctors i believe it's something in our mind that has to change to help us understand it ain't about this therapist right it, i don't care how many times i gotta go i don't care how much gas is about to call me how many times i gotta make this appointment it is about the end result. And the end result is for me to be better, for me to release these burdens that I am carrying. And you made a good point about, <laughs> about comfort. Um, <laughs> so my third ther therapist out of the third one, <laughs> let me just leave it at that. Um, it was a comfort situation because mm -hmm. I knew that I wasn't getting the feedback that I desired. I can I didn't feel like she was attentive. Um, sometimes I felt like I was just talking to a wall, but because I felt like it was, something was better than nothing, I was still going. And it was convenient because it was near my job at the time. It was just convenient in location. I was able to do all I needed to do, get my therapy session, go back to whatever business I had to take care of. But in the end, it did me a disservice because, and this is not, I'm not blaming this therapist. Right. But at, during this time is when I was spiraling in my mental health. And um, I had already transitioned into a suicidal state, which I was well aware, aware of. And I expressed it. I expressed it to my therapist. I've expressed it to um, certain people in my life. So I was struggling during that time. And um, one of our sessions, I was very emotional and my thing and this is my personal red flag but i also pay attention when people say it's a it's an alert for me when somebody is constantly tired and we're not just talking about somebody saying oh i'm sleepy i need a nap when you're when they're constantly just like i'm tired and it's just like out of context like it really ain't like i'm just tired like i'm over it kind of thing they may not necessarily say i'm over life but it starts you start to hear that the, that conversation where they're they're basically sort of giving up and I'm going to just be real honest about it because, again, this is my experience and I'm sharing. Like, I remember going to bed praying at night that God did not wake me up, right? right. That's how bad it was. And um, I would wake up in the morning on some real talk like, okay, God, so you kept me, now what, right? And this, is, this was the interaction. And so I would go to therapy and we have the conversation. But, again, I'm not necessarily getting the feedback that I needed or maybe we weren't getting to the root of what needed to be addressed and the day of my suicide attempt I had a session earlier that day and um that someone contacted her the next day and let her know that I was hospitalized and her response to this person was I knew something bad was gonna happen because she wasn't in a good space when she left or something like that. But the fact that you said I knew something was going bad was going to happen, it didn't sit well with me. Right. Because no, a therapist cannot save you, right? That's not their job. However, there is a certain assessment that they're supposed to be able to do. And if you feel like you have a client that's in crisis mode right in front of you, then you're at least supposed to attempt to create a safety plan, right? right? So at minimum, you would say, Natasia, I don't think you should be alone today. Like, I don't feel like it's safe for you to go home by yourself. Is there anyone who you can call to come stay with you? Or is it a, somewhere you can go? Like something. And even if I said yes, no, whatever, but at least if, you know, you say, well, I tried to put in a plan. I knew this was happening, but you didn't. Right. You know, we just went on, signed out, see you next week. Right. And then I didn't think that I was going to go home to do that because I didn't have that plan. Right. But it ended up being that way. So when 
I was told that was her response. I'm like, she ain't even give a damn. You know, that was my perspective. Like, what was the point of me going and you didn't really, you weren't invested in my well-being? Mm. Why, am I, why am I having a conversation with you? Do you think, I'm trying to, I don't want to go into that because you know what I'm <laughs> And we supposed to stay on a positive perspective. It is. It is. We, we because, um, you know, I have a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that is what drove you to say, okay, I'm not settling. I'm going to take a moment and breathe, but I'm going to find someone that really can help me because I really need help. Do you think her, you know how that played out, it played a part in you going a step further mm-hmm. with your process? Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I said, when I, I, I went home that night, I did what I did. So now but I'm in the hospital. That process, the intentionally healing <laughs> process. Right. So what I want to say is once that part happened, when part of my discharge plan, obviously you have to have services. So I already knew when I got out that I, yes, clearly I, I have things that I needed to work on but I knew I needed to move from this person, but I had to see her at least one time because that was part of my discharge plan. So that's what I did. But I also communicate and I'm, I'm, I've learned to communicate how I'm feeling or if somebody made me feel away, whatever, even with professionals. <laughs> so that was one of the conversations we had on my session when I came out. But um, she really didn't have anything to say or anything that would have fixed the situation. I, I didn't give up there though. Bottom line is I didn't feel like, oh, because she failed me, all therapists are like that. No, because if that's the case, like you said, with any other relationship, that's just like me feeling like, oh, well, my ex did me wrong or men are like this. Right. No, I just realized now I have to do better because I took blame because I already knew it wasn't a match, but I was still going to her anyway. So I accepted the blame for that. What was I really expecting out of somebody who wasn't giving me the feedback that I felt that I needed anyway, but I was still showing up. So I took that. I was um, accountable, right? And and I I returned to therapy. I found another therapist. I found another therapist after that. And I don't therapy hop because I know people hear like five therapists, like I'm just jumping to therapists. Like, honestly... The therapist after that, the reason why I changed, again, I switched jobs, insurance changed. So usually it's something um, involving insurance or something like that. And in between, I need a break because I've gotten to a certain point with this therapist. I don't want to just jump into a new relationship with the therapist and have to start all over again. Right. Because you're constantly repeating the same things. And I feel like sometimes you just don't want to keep talking about the same thing over and over. You don't want to keep unpacking the same thing over and over and feel like you're getting no results. I fully agree. I want to address what uh, TT said was I was raised in a family where we didn't talk about the mental illnesses in our family. We didn't air out our dirty laundries. That's the reason we're having this conversation because I was raised in what happened at home stayed at home. Um, I too attempted suicide and my therapist knew I was going to because they, they literally told my husband at the time like, she's been depressed for a very long time i'm surprised she's still functioning however because we were i was not in a safe space to discuss it with my family and friends what i was dealing with i had three little kids i was married i was in a whole nother state i was stressed i was i was dealing with a lot but we have to in order for things to change we have to change we have to be willing to say okay i know this is how mama and them did it but it's not working for me and I want to get help. And, and and it's lonely. It's hard. My friends and family did not understand when I decided I was going to be a trauma advocate. They did not understand when I said I was going to speak about being raped and molested. They was like, what are you doing? Who puts that out there? Because we're so worried about what it appears to be. We want everybody to see us and think we have it together when we die inside. Like I, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you will find a space where you can go and have a conversation and begin to do the work to release that stuff that is weighing you down. So you're not alone. Many families, we know many people that have that rule for their household. Yeah. And and that's, we definitely spoke about that as well. And I even did a live last night with a friend where he wanted to have that discussion about mental health. And I was glad to be a part of it because I realized that men don't necessarily talk about it as much. So I was definitely grateful 
that he was willing to even host um, a, a conversation regarding that topic. And, um, and just to want to get a better understanding of what mental health is. And I think that's where, not I think, the stigma comes in because people don't understand, right? And then, you know, there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to not understanding things. And so, like I explained last night, everyone has mental health. No one is exempt. Yes. Everyone doesn't have a mental illness, right? And so I think once we get that part out of the way, maybe we can breathe easy a little bit. Like, okay, like maybe that's where the fear comes in, like the whole title of mental illness and the whole stigma and the overlapping in the two. However, mental illness does not mean you are not able to function. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, and insomnia. Later on, someone else brought it to the attention, which I already knew, but you know, we gotta let the professionals do their job that I also suffered from PTSD um, from traumatic experiences. I've been in domestic violence relationships. I had an ex literally try to kill me. I survived car accidents where I totaled my car. I had childhood trauma from my mom just not being there due to drugs. I've had other things going on where I've just been violated um, in different ways. So yes, there's trauma. And because of that, it created the depression and it's called mental illness, but I function. Right? Don't we see don't we see functioning addicts all the time? Why is it we can talk about the function addicts, but we can't talk about how we are mentally struggling with stuff, but we still function. I still went and got went to my job every day until I had my meltdown. But mm -hmm. that's why I need to address it because we, I wanted I wanted help before I got to the meltdown. You know what I mean? Right. And so did I. And I'm glad you said because that's the thing too. Not everybody's just sitting there just like, oh well, I'm scared to talk about it. Like you have people who are actually seeking the help, who's willing to do the work, who's willing to confront those uncomfortable and traumatic places however sometimes is i feel like timing so i don't want to say we wait too late because it's never too late as long as we are alive but i think the longer that we wait the more traumatic it becomes and that's why we spiral yes. so that's really what happened and i my term is and i and i resent and i'm not gonna lie the term strong black woman right mm -hmm. i feel like that was part of my <laughs> Part of the reason why what I was going through wasn't seen because I was the I, I was the daughter that my dad would call to talk to about whatever. I'm the one that people can call and talk to about whatever, but nobody noticed that I'm dying literally inside, right? Mm -hmm. And and we keep going. So how do people notice when we out there with the cape on all day and then we come home and take it off and we just crashing? So no, when people are like, oh, that strong black woman, oh, be strong. Be, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to be strong. If being strong means that I can't have feelings, I can't have emotions, I can't have a moment to rest to deal with my stuff, I don't take, I don't want that. I want to be well. That's it. <laughs> the thing with that is just I am strong, but I'm also vulnerable. I'm also human. And being strong is saying I need help. Being strong is saying I don't have it all together. Being strong is saying, no, I can't do that right now because I'm dealing with my mental health. But it took me years to get to that place to understand that being strong didn't mean I had to neglect my own needs for everyone else. So I, I started to not like that strong black woman term. But then when I flipped it, because I am strong, but I'm also <laughs> weak. I am also vulnerable. I'm also in need of help. I'm also in need of therapy. That does not change because I appear to have it mastered in this area there's still other areas in our lives that we need help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And see, and that's the part where I tell like the clients that I work with, because in the field that I'm in, I, I, and I don't usually talk about my day job live, so I'm not even going to say what I do, but I understand why they don't want to share certain things when it comes to mental health, because you don't trust the system and you feel like you're, you know, you're, it's going to be used against you and your kids are going to be, you know, taken mm -hmm. for you. So I get it. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? However, what I do explain is that, like you said, I don't, I still don't use strong or you're a strong person, but I do let them know that it's a strength. Nobody can't, because when it comes to service plans and all this intervention that you try to put in for a client, 
it all boils down to what are your strengths, right? So you seeking the help that you need, no one can use, no one should be using that against you, right? Is is this that we feel like we have to cover up what we're going through out of fear that we're going to be punished for things that that same person who's dealing with me may be going through or have dealt with in their personal life. Mm. So I think that we need to realize that we're all human. That part. I was about to say, I think when we add to that, so one of the things I started doing when I started speaking about my experiences, it took away everyone else's power to be able to throw it in my face. I'm not going to say it was easy, but it became easier because when people be like, I'm going to expose you and I'm going to tell people what you did and what you've been through, I'll be like, what part you want to tell? Because I already told it. And when you finish telling that, tell them where I'm at now. So when we do that, when we start to be honest with ourselves that we need help or that we feel this way, that I have anxiety, I have depression, can't nobody throw that in your face. And when they throw it in your face, you'd be like, <laughs> like, come on, update yourself because, but that's where we take our power back. And it's a process because everyone isn't there. I wasn't there for years. I literally, I'm born and raised in Baltimore and I did not want to come back to Baltimore because most of my trauma happened in Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? So certain streets were triggers for me. But the more I dealt with myself, I was able to say, okay, this is a trigger. Take a deep breath. Because you know, when you're going through a trigger, it takes you right back to that time as if it's happening. But I had to give myself some coping skills to bring myself down and say, okay, don't become a prisoner in your own body. You know, figure out how to walk through this at your pace. Nobody's rushing you to heal from things. This is your pace, your life, your growth. But you have to do the work. And I mean, at the end of the day, the message that we want to convey is all therapists aren't bad. Um, all therapists aren't lacking empathy. Um, you will have trial and error, but your life is dependent on you keep going until you find the right person to help you get to where you need to be because we all need help from somebody exactly exactly and in that um it's just doing your research because when you look up a therapist and you go to their website or you go to psychology today or um therapist for black girls or therapy for men they have so many different sites you can get background information on a therapist so they tell you what they specialize in for the most part and, you know, at that point, you got to start to realize, like, okay, maybe I need somebody who's have a, a lot of experience in trauma therapy mm -hmm. if, I, if I've experienced so much trauma. So to go to somebody who doesn't have that experience is like we are setting ourselves up. So, you know, you have to do the research as well. Yeah. Definitely have to do it. And like I say, it's the same like we do with our medical doctors and our medical specialists. We should not treat our mental health any different. And we don't, I don't think people realize the connection. Like how much the mental health and the physical health is, is aligned. Like you can be so mentally ill or ment you're struggling so much with your mental that you become physically sick. Bring it. Like I've had my body shut me down. I've had to take leave, medical leave. Yes. Because anxiety i was so activated and like my appetite was gone i couldn't eat like panic attacks just coming out coming out couldn't eat it, it was hard it's a horrible feeling but it's a feeling that i don't want to keep experiencing so i have to do what i have to do to get to the root of it and to get it under control and i know that i can't do it all by myself right i think the important thing that you said in that is paying attention to your body um I, I, I was off and on seeking help for like 10 to 15 years, right? But I was never consistent. I was in Chicago maybe eight years ago, and my memory just left. I was in the hospital. They was on all these MRIs, CAT scans. They was like, oh, you got MS. Oh, we think it's lupus. They thought it was all kinds of things, right? My neurological system was shutting down. And they kept on saying, well, were you in an accident? Did you have some type of trauma, right? Like my face, I had the bell parsley. My face was slanted because of all the stress that was on my body. And at the end of the day, I kept telling them the only trauma I have was things from my past that I buried. And the doctors weren't connecting the two. But as time went on, I started to see the patterns because they don't talk about memory loss with stress. Like it's not an open conversation, but because I experienced it, I'm like, 
okay, these fog moments, and it's not all because I'm not a licensed profession in doctors, but I started to connect the dots that my body was like, yo, you need to be still. You need to stop trying to bury stuff and start dealing with it the best way you can because it's taking you under. So I and, think we need to pay attention to our body is telling us stuff. And like you said, with the body and the memory, like that's one of the things with um, depressive disorder. Um, and I think not, not, let me not say I think. So when people aren't familiar with the symptoms, they don't realize that. And it affects concentration and oh. focus. Like it's there. And I realized that it's like I was activated throughout the pandemic. And then I decided to enroll, <laughs> enroll in a course. Cause I'm thinking I'm going to move forward, whatever. Cause that's me. That's how I, I start just doing the most. Right. And not that I don't know how to sit with my stuff, but because we, everything was just like on lockdown and I'm home by myself for the most part all the time, but it was just something different about it. Like I needed to be doing something, but I noticed, and even in my therapy session, that's something we talk about. That's another not so good <laughs> coping mechanism of mine, getting busy, getting yeah. so busy. I'm not getting enough sleep because I don't sleep throughout the night. So I'm functioning or very little rest, which is not good. You know, that affects our mood. But it was when I started the class and I started to realize like my pressure spiked. I mean, dangerously spiked. Daily, it was high. And I'm monitoring and it took me, I mean, I'm like, my anxiety is up from this one class. My mind could not stay still. Like I was, I was experienced, I was manic at one point prior to the class, me and Roland. So I was definitely not in the space. I didn't realize it until after I enrolled. And I had to stop because it was physically making me sick all over again. I could not focus. I could not concentrate. Like I could read something. I'm sitting here reading and then I have to go back because it just like went in and out. So yes. memory, focus, your attention span, everything is included. TT said yep. all that 2020 was a year of reckoning for me. I recognized that it's okay to not be okay. Here's the thing. I felt most comfortable with sharing that. I'm sorry. Yeah. With sharing that with non-family members. I don't want to hear, get over it. Yes. <laughs> Listen. Ooh, I felt that. There's, there's two folds to that one. People quick to say to get over it because they don't want to deal with your stuff because you make them see their stuff. That's the first thing. But the second part to that, what I've had to learn, and um, I'm still learning, to be quite honest, is because a lot of people like to dump and they don't necessarily want advice or wise counsel or solutions. They just want to get it off of them, right? And sometimes I'll be like, yo, just get over it. Or what are you going to do? But sometimes, and this, we all do this. We need to learn to just shut the hell up. <laughs> Let people say what they need to say unless they come to you and say, hey, I need help. Or hey, I need advice. But on the flip side, you need to know who you're speaking to. I don't call any and everybody when I need to have a, a difficult conversation and express what I'm dealing with because I know where they are and I know what they're going to say. And I'm not even about to put myself in that situation. But that's that's learning the people you deal with. So I agree. Yes, like keep learning. And that comes, though, through trial and error, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like you, you've experienced um, with those people what you didn't like in regards to their feedback so you know not to go back to them. And, that, and that's the part what you said um, is about active, active listening. Yeah. And a lot of us don't do it. Um, and we always want to fix, help, rescue, save. So we always ready to jump in. And when a person is, is definitely if they're in crisis mode, they're not hearing you. At all. At all. <laughs> right? And your feedback can create more agitation. Yes. Um, for a person. I've learned... And like I stated before, like when people come to me to dump or vent or whatever, I ask at the end, do you want me to just listen or do you want me to get feedback? Is it okay if I respond? And I wait and whatever, whatever they want is what they get. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh girl, yes, tell me because that's why I called you. Okay, so let's, let's go back, you know. 
So again, it's, it's, it's okay to ask people, what is it that you need from me in this moment? And, and I, it's, we, mm -hmm. I want to add to that is also say in the beginning, sis, I'm not calling you for advice. I just need to talk. That way you ain't got to worry about them saying nothing ignorant at the end of the conversation because it can make matters worse. Yeah, and then some people will still be who they are and can't help it and will still give it. But again, like trial and error, we just learned. And I also want to say that in between, let's talk about the in-between, right? Because nobody's in therapy 24-7, right? Even if you are seeing a, a therapist, it's maybe once a week, twice a week. Mm. How are we coping in between? So you still have to be able to do your work in the hours that no one else is around, right so it's like what are you doing on the interim what are you doing in between sessions like how are you dealing with your stuff you know and there's so many ways to self-care or to address what you're doing or if your anxiety is increasing or if you're having depressive episodes how to deal with it if you're on a friday night and your scheduled therapy session is not until wednesday what do you do from friday to wednesday so finding a good self-care regimen, you know, and, and we that's another discussion that we had. We get that that can change over time, depending on where you are, because I, I have a host of them. <laughs> and one of my one of my things I was doing before the pandemic is working out. I mean, I was working out heavy. That's what I like to do. I enjoyed it. However, I realized that during the pandemic, I became hypersensitive. So now that I'm doing it online and the music and the yelling, it began to agitate me and it made my anxiety worse. So I had to stop. So I stopped doing the workouts and then I signed up for yoga, right? Because I know I needed something more calming. Mm. And so again, it's just knowing where you are, like being attentive to where you are and what's not working. Because just because, yes, exercise and movement is good for the mental health, the environment, the atmosphere definitely play a role in it. Like if it's too noisy for you, we can't tell people how to run the exercise class. So what you do is you find what works for you. And there's so many things out there. Yes. And that's part of the reason, like on my page, I share so many different self-care activities because there's, like you always say, there is just not one size fit all, right? <laughs> holding my mouth because that's all I want to say is not one size fit all you know um while we're still in a pandemic I'm not working I like to put my phone on do not disturb and just being quiet which is weird for me because I used to always need to have something in the background but remember things change so what used to work is not working now I need quiet often several times throughout the day to process all this noise that is happening between social media outside the tv um song bowls or sing bowls that works for me that frequency really is calming to me but music is good but again know what works for you at the time that it works for you because taking walks in the sun was good but we ain't got much sun out right now so you know i have to adjust but just don't don't just not do nothing right find what works for you and do it and when we talk about self-care and coping skills, we're talking about healthy, right? So we have to pay attention to our vices um, because, you know, a lot of times we use these things to cope, but they can make our symptoms worse, right? So a glass of wine may be good when you're good, but sometimes it can, <laughs> if you're already feeling low, you know, or you know, you having all these emotional feelings or if you're in crisis, that glass of wine can do something different. You know, it's not helping you. And, you know, like I said, my mom struggled with substance abuse. So I have my personal biases when it comes to that as well. But I also know that we are people who just like to drown our stuff and hide our stuff and suppress our stuff. <laughs> so the goal is to get it out, right? I always say it's all wounds need air to heal. Mm. All wounds need air to heal. And the longer that you keep it suppressed, it's just going to fester and fester. And we know what happens. Infections and stuff kick in and all of that stuff. Well, it's, it's just slowly yeah. dying. And I would say that because that's what I was doing up until yeah. my suicide attempt. So, again, we just have this conversation because we want our people 
to be comfortable with talking about mental health, speaking about mental illness. Be intentional about getting better. Stop being so judgmental about the people in your life who are struggling just because you don't understand, right? If you don't know how to show up for, show up for people, that's okay. But it's not okay to judge them or make them feel a way because they're dealing with something that you don't understand. Yes. We, we just, we, we have to do better. And we really have to do better. And, it, and it's heartbreaking, you know? And this is why, so I would say this is why I started my organization um, way after my <laughs> suicide attempt. Because I had started doing the suicide prevention walks. And I realized I ain't really see too many people out there looking like me, <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay, I know. I'm not the only one. This mm -hmm. I know. So we have to do something to bring more awareness to our community. And not just awareness, but to get people more active and more invested into their own mental health and their mental wellness. Like, there's no separating it. You can't be physically well and mentally unhealthy and think you're good. It, it, it is a balance. Like, it just don't make sense. You know, no. <laughs> and be rotten on the inside, like what? And yeah. and is is not. I would never say that it's easy. You know what I mean? Like I I still have my moments. I'm not gonna lie. I still have my moments, and I'm okay with still having my moments because I mean I'm still healing, and that's the goal to continue to heal and to grow. Um, it's like you said, when when I was in the psych ward. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't supposed to be here. I don't know what the hell, where my mind was when I went to where I went, but I woke up at that moment and said, okay, what am I going to do? But what I hate that I did was I became busy. I became busy, 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 working two jobs and busy. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, I took all kinds of natural herbs or whatever. But still, that stuff was still sitting there. And then you got to think about the stuff that you pile on top of the stuff that's sitting there as you're living life. So my final words is find yourself a therapist. Um, and, and this is really weird that I'm going to say this because though I'm a life coach, a life coach is not a therapist. That's facts. That's real life. They're not licensed to help you with certain things. You can get a coach if you want to, but make sure that you understand what your needs are and a therapist may be better. That's just how I feel about it. And don't be ashamed. Like there are so many people in therapy. <laughs> like, you know, it's not about a trend. Do what you have to do to get better, right? I always, that's, that's just who I am. You deserve your yes. best self. You yes. deserve it. It's not about anybody else because that's another thing we do. We always make it about everybody else. Your kids need you this way. Your family needs you this way. These people need you. No, you need you, right? And I think once we get to that point, because that can be draining too, all of this pressure. Oh my God, everybody needs me, <laughs> right? But I'm not well. You need you because you cannot be what anybody else needs until you get better or at least be active in getting better. Right. And- I'm not gonna lie. I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't come home from from my um, attempts on some. I'm ready to get back to life. I got back to action, but I I guarantee you that I was still on some really God. This this how you gonna do me? <laughs> like you really bring me back to this? I'm not gonna lie. I was, still wasn't well, but yeah. what I knew how to do was get back to it right. because that's how I was raised. Can't sit around feeling sorry for yourself. Right. You know, no pity parties, get up and go. So that's what I did. But then I had to sit and realize that I need to pause now and really, really be serious. I need to make up my mind at this moment to decide, are you just going to walk around existing until you decide to try it again? Or are you going to be intentional about living? And when I made up my mind that I am going to live, mm that changed how I moved. Yes. Right? So, like I said, it went back to being intentional about what I'm doing, what therapy, what I'm looking for, 
what I do on my personal time, who I'm engaging, because I realized I was identifying unhealthy relationships and toxic relationships in my life and not even just romantic ones, which I was accustomed to because of my childhood trauma. Those things had to go as well. Yes. So is is when everybody starts talking about self-love, I don't think people automatically feel like I don't love myself, but we start to realize the love is not as deep as we thought it was. When we start to look at the things that we've allowed in our lives that yeah. also, you know, impacted our mental health and stuff. And those are the things that we have to sit, right, and forgive ourselves for. Forgives our, forgive ourselves for dealing with situations that just kept us in a space that was no good. And these people go off, right? They go off and live their life and do whatever. And you're sitting there in your stuff. So yeah. you got to be okay with sitting there in your stuff and making up your mind, like, I'm not going to stay here. And I just want everybody, whoever watches this live, to get to a place. I don't care what's going on, where you at, what's going on around you or in you. Just get it in your mind that I deserve to come up out of this. Yes. And I'm going to do what it takes to come up out of this. And once you change your mindset, at least at that part, you'll start being receptive to the resources and the services out there because there are many. There are some that charge, they are free, but the resources are out there. Yeah. I like that. You almost made me cry again. <laughs> <laughs> And I try not to be all spiritual, but my thing is for me, because um, like you said, I'd be like, God, for real? Like, I can't get a break. But then I had to start, I started viewing it like, if God is love and he created me, am I not worth of all that is good? Am I not worthy of wholeness? Am I not worthy of healing? Am I not worthy of forgiving myself? Because when we made, as you said, those decisions, we weren't in a right frame of mind. We right. might survival mode so you can't you got to release yourself from what you did when you didn't know better because now that you know better you're moving different there's no one on this earth to me that is not deserving of a second chance so we give everybody else a second chance when they mess us all out there we not give ourselves one exactly and we tend to be so hard on ourselves and so that's why a lot of times that i'm always posting on my captions and i always remind myself be kind to yourself. Be gentle with yourself. You know, like, give yourself grace. All this stuff we offer to other people freely. Yes. Why are you giving out your best self to everybody else? You deserve it more than anybody else. So invest in yourself. And I know these things sound so cliche, but mm -hmm. no, you deserve it. Like, that's what gives me hope. I'm like, I... Listen, I deserve to be on the other side of all of this. And God clearly kept me here for a reason not to stay in this. So, no, I'm going to get what I was created to get. <laughs> when we first spoke, I and to hear your story, how it was so, because we when we first spoke, we didn't know much about each other besides each other's page. And to hear your story and to hear my story and all I kept on thinking is, honestly, and I'm trying not to cry, it was, again, like, yo, I'm not by myself. Yes, I, I feel like I've been through hell and high water, but I'm still here. And I was not by myself because I'm looking at another beautiful black woman who has endured some things, who have overcome some things, who was letting her pain become her passion and her story for, to pave the way for other people. You're not by yourself. Even though we was, was stayed at home, stayed, well, having at home, stayed at home, your household wasn't the only one. So only imagine being to walk in the power that you have. When you begin to sift through all that stuff and get back to the truth of who you are, you be all right? Yes, yes. So I feel like on that note, <laughs> unless anybody have any questions for us, we can close it out. Um, if anybody is don't know how to begin to search for a therapist, feel free to hit us up on a DM. We can send you some links. There are resources um, depending on what state you're in. I'm in New York. You're in Ireland. Yes. But there are resources everywhere. So don't feel like you have to do anything alone. And like we both stated over and over, there are other people who are going through similar things. And there are people who survived what you're dealing with and who are thriving. Come on now. So you can do it as well. That part. That part.
we gonna be all right. We just have Absolutely. to rest when need be. <laughs> Absolutely. We thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you on our next live. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.